boomers! Welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your online fortnightly guide to the world of Sega and Sonic and the Sega superstars and stuff. We are the humans who think that we're in charge. I am Dave Bulmer. And I am Chris McFeely. And yeah, here we are, STC, accelerating into 1995 with Streets of Rage on the cover of issue number 43. Cover dated January 20th, but released on January 7th. Oh, January. Now, you might have noticed you got this episode a little sooner than you might normally, but that's because for the new year, we've just shuffled our release schedule again, because this episode should be coming out on January the 8th. So we are like now on the very week to within a day of the real life date of the comics release. So we'll be perfectly in sync for all future holidays and stuff. Yes. It does mean that if we screw up even once... We're all out of sync again, but ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done yet, have we? We've done Not quite yet. well. We haven't missed a single one yet. Yeah, it's 1995. What a year. What a year 1995 was, both in real life and in Sonic the Comic. We are going to be in for some really cool stuff in this comic this year. This is going to be a good podcast, and you should listen to There's it. There's something about <laughs> just 1995, just the phrase, that oh. really makes it feel like we've somehow jumped I know. into the future closer to the now. I guess it's I know. The, the halfway point of the 90s 90, of the decade. 95. 95. It's a futuristic year, like 2000. Yeah, yeah almost. <laughs> and 2001. <laughs> <laughs> and 2020, the futuristic years. It just, for some reason, feels... You and I are both sort of coming down with this terrible sense that we're somehow snowballing towards the end of it all. When yeah, in reality, yeah. We're not even a quarter of the way through the series yet. <laughs> Because it's 1995, I bring with you an artifact from the Christmas of 1994, Chris. This is a present that I got for Christmas 94, and I forgot to mention it before, because I forgot that it was the year I got it. And it's this. What do you think of this? (gasps) It's the binder! It's the Sonic Hedgehog with Attitude binder. It's grey, it's got Sonic leaning against his name on it, and inside it... (sighs) is my 1995 diary. So let's find out. (laughs) What? That's quite a face. What I was doing when this comic was released. There isn't an entry for the 7th. So let's go for the 20th, the actual published date. Let's see what it says. Okay. It says... Oh, it says Saved by the Bell is good again. (laughs) It is. That's true. As true true. in 2021, (laughs) now at this point, Uh, as it was in 1995. What happened in 1995 to make Saved by the Bell good again? What had gone off about it? Well, they'd left school, you see, and the college years had started. Already? In 1995? Had that happened by 95? Mate, we were in the reruns. We had it years after it actually happened, yeah. But, um... I think it was more like 93 when it actually happened. But yeah, no, the college years was on, and I, like every other person, wrote it off Mm, immediately with the first episode. But unlike every other person, I kept watching, and actually, it got quite good, and that's what I'm making reference of here. I also got a tie-in book called Zack's Last Scam on this day, which was a Friday. Also, I got three packs of Lion King transfers for the bed. The famous bed. I told you about the bed. And I tried my first pack of tropical fruit pastels. Oh <laughs> my god. So is this just a clip show? Is this a clip show where where we just run through the greatest hits of this podcast? We're finding out here that this podcast has been completely accurate to the true feel of being a child in 1995. It all built to this. 
I've still got my pastels. Here they are right now. They, same bag. Same bag of pastels. How? Not the same one as... Not, not the same, the same one, one as on the pastel episode, episode with no. Richie, no. But no, I got another one right. immediately afterwards, which I haven't finished. That is like five months ago, though, Dave. I know, they. I don't know if I'll eat them now. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure they're still okay to eat. It's just, how haven't you already? Back to the, uh, back to the... Uh, I just, no answer, I'm just not, boomers, I'm just not into... I'm not into pastels. No, I'll, t I'll show but, you. But, no, but you're turning around and telling me, no, you're not into pastels, but you... The glee on your face when you hold up that bag of pastels. Well, it's something of a trophy. You're just in love with the idea of pastels, Dave. Yeah. You don't love pastels. You love the idea of pastels. <laughs> <laughs> but returning to the diary entry, today I got to the poster page in my end of Mobius story. Ooh, blimey. O'Reilly. <laughs> <So, laughs> This ties in way better than I expected this is it would. Ridiculous! You did not. <laughs> Dave just found this a few minutes before we started recording because he didn't ago. realize this was the first episode of the new year. This is live. This is. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> carry on, Dave. Sorry, I gotta. I just have to calm down and get over my awe. That's that. Uh, on the twenty-first, I finish writing that uh, story, and it specifically says the Metal Axe story, which, if you remember, is the name of the next chapter we're doing. Oh, uh, no, I did next not month remember. when we next record some. So there we go. That's Dave's diary of 1995. Uh, maybe in future issues you'll have to just compare the dates and look for other mentions of stuff yeah. as we run along. Maybe that can be our bonus feature uh, this yeah. year. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. On-air bonus feature, not a Patreon one, because yeah. I can't imagine anyone would sign up to Patreon for that. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right, so what is on the cover of this one besides us accelerating into 95? Um, it is uh, Streets of Rage. Well, it says Screech of Rage. Speaking of Saved by the Bell, Yeah, which is not, not Dustin Diamond's response to being left out of the new series. It's a motorbike that is attacking Max Hatchet. Is this man's yeah, name? Yeah, his name. Do you know, when I looked up to check if I was right about him being called Max Hatchet, I found out that the only responses are to STC. So yes, he he's called, called Max. Max something else in a game for some reason oh. Max um, Thunder Max Thunder I believe his name is is in the games really don't know why they went with something different I mean probably the case is like you were just saying the only information Mark Miller had to go on was that he was Max yeah and he invented a surname for him yeah a very good one Max Hatchet yes, Max perfect. Hatchet is a much better name than Max Thunder because it's, it's got, got that ah, double A sound ah, ah, yeah, yeah it's got that assonance yeah that's the word that's a good word well done and if it isn't the word, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Hang on, I'm gonna look it up now quickly so we can save Sam a moment in editing. <laughs> oh, that's sweet of you, Chris. Assonance: the resemblance of sounds between syllables of nearby words. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I did English at school. You're a uh, student <laughs> of poetry. That's what you are. Uh, then also we've got Marco's Magic Football and a Sonic and Knuckles Q Zone special. Ooh, we can find out exactly how to play that. So I can't say I'm super thrilled about that because no. the Q Zone has not been not been super helpful up till now. But we'll see. Maybe we'll find out something we didn't know about how to play Sonic and Knuckles. And just before we flip her inside, just to draw attention to it again, just we now can see clearly that that altered masthead on the two Christmas issues yes. that we mentioned before wasn't just for those bumper issues. Now we have this red and black alternating uh, I was going to call it a checkerboard Dennis the Menace stripe across <laughs> the uh, the top of the cover that tells us the price, the date, the issue number and, uh, and all that jazz. That will be with us for the next good half of a year or so because there is stuff coming oh. this year. 
very useful for me, this little ribbon, because it means I can find the issues easily in my box. <laughs> yeah, you can just flip through them, flip, 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 don't have to lift them up, yeah. Did you have trouble deciphering the introduction to the welcome screen that Megadroid delivered? Yeah, hap dash P New Year. I, yeah. I, I think I think it's just hap. Be New Year! Yeah, it's yeah, I took a, a moment, that's what he's doing, yeah, but... But it makes it look like they're trying for a pun, and you're like, exactly. what? Exactly! What, what is it? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought as well, I was like, is yeah. it hap, 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 what's happening in this issue, why is he... And then I was like, no, he's just chanting, he's just going, hap, yes. <laughs> Especially because in the next bit, we are going to find a pun that is written out in that exact way. Mm. But what he's here to tell us is that, uh... Well, the Humes who think they're in charge have stumbled back into the office, bedecked in their new string vests and hand-knitted balaclavas. Are those stereotypical Christmas presents from 1995? I don't, I don't know. It sounds like some <laughs> kind of British picture postcard. Doesn't Northern. it? Northern. I can't... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't get that one. It sounds like a seaside terrorist. Yeah. But apart from that, STC's back to normal, in quotes. We're, <laughs> it's we're, wacky, we're wacky around here. <laughs> After the festive bumper issues with a return to the usual format and the old price of £1.15. Less pages, we can't win them all. That's a, g- a genuinely nice surprise, I think, that we go back to the older price. We've only had the new price for a very short amount of time. I just don't know why he felt the need to flag up the fact that there are less pages. Mm, it's yeah. the same way that every time they mention the multi-mega, they have to go, bit pricey, though. It's like, <laughs> let it stand on its own, guys. Stop that British auto-self-deprecation that you have going on. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of Megadroid deep lore here. Hands up to those humes who have made New Year's resolutions. Mine was to ensure STC launched into 95 with an explosive start. Sonic first foots in a brand new two-parter, Badnik's Bridge. Sonic and Knuckles get double exposure in the review zone and the Q zone. Mama Droid used to say, never do things in half measures. No, we know Mega Droid doesn't have a mum. Absolutely He was created not. in a laboratory in a lab. accident. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course, everyone has since forgotten that because that was over two years ago. No, it wasn't two. It wasn't even two years ago. Yes. But that's just not how this works. Well, no, and also the government worked so hard to cover it up. Yes, and this is part of the cover story. That's what's yeah, going on here. They got, got to him. him. Got they him. got to him. And then he's, no, I know what it is. This is the Adventures of Megadroid version of Megadroid. So it's like how in Adventures of Sonic, you know, they went into the past and saw Sonic's ancestors and they were blue. And you're like, that's wrong. This is also wrong. Robotnik doesn't have a Robotnik mum. I did get a pretty good chuckle out of the way he closes out this week, though. There's plenty more surprises up my mighty metal sleeve for 95, but for now, tell me what you'd like to see more of in STC. Hold off on the begging letters, though. I'm too modest to pose for a centre spread. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. I don't know why I like that as much as I do. I can't think of anything less erotic. That's the thing. What I like so much about that is that there's nothing erotic about even imagining an erotic spread. I'm imagining it now, and it is... It's just a bucket. I'm imagining him, like, leaning down, yep. one leg out flat, one leg bent at the knee, yep. propping his own head up on his little chunky hand, yep. and it's all, it looks like that Nigel Kitching strip from the Christmas issue, <laughs> and and that would be very funny, and they should have done it. <laughs> yeah, they should, yeah, they should have. And then we have a little column in the middle, slide into 95, and yeah, we Ooh. are, whoops. But we're not just talking about the fact that it's 95, the column says, whoops, the new year gets off to a slippery start as Sega joins forces with the UK's first ever pro snowboard team. 
combining the racing and freestyle snowboarding skills of the riders with Sega's mega-powered 32X add-on accessory. That is the dumbest sentence, I swear to God. I was looking at it and I was like, what? What? And then I continued reading. This dynamic partnership will enable UK riders to compete, train, and gain international experience. Not bad, eh? Well, maybe, but I still don't know what it is. Never one to miss out on the action is Sonic, who has no trouble at all mastering the sport. Written S-no. Not even... See, what I would have done there is... No W, yeah. I would have just put the word snow, but I'd have put it in quote marks. He has snow problem. Yeah, yeah, even better. Or S-no-w. Maybe. That runs the risk of looking like... S now or something, even though well, even with that extra, extra dub, uh, well, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think this, this, not this. S dash no. I say S dash no to that. <laughs> the 32x Sega UK Pro Snowboard Team official World Snowboarding Tour, which there are no Google hits for. If you put it in no. quotes, let me tell you, starts mm. on the first of April. No fooling. So yeah, this was simply say. I mean. There's no evidence of this online that I can find except from like really? a, a random mention on a message board here or there. But this, all this was was Sega sponsored the UK's first yeah. official snowboarding team as a way of promoting the 32X. Yeah, and they don't really get around to saying it. No, it's so unclear. The way they say, combining the racing snowboarding skills with Sega's 32X, it makes it sound like there's going to be like a 32X mounted like a hood ornament on their snowboards. But there's a photo! There's a photo of four individuals with snowboards and they've got a big uh, costume Sonic standing behind them. So that's them! There they are! That's the least one time in the world they were pictured ever and like maybe they didn't even get into the finals or something. Well, you know, I looked up the Snowboard World Cup on Wikipedia from 95 and uh, the UK was not mentioned on the page anywhere, so. (laughs) There we go. The 32X failed them. The Sega Charts. Certain amount of disappointment in the Sega Charts because yes, uh, I knew you would be. Yeah, Sonic's two and three nowhere to be seen, but we do still have Sonic and Knuckles, and we do still have Sonic One. So ah, that's fine. I'm sad as, as long as Sonic and Knuckles got there, it's fine. It's it's still fine. in the top three. It's still number. It three. is. It's number three with Lion King up to number two. Makes sense. FIFA back in number one again. Fine. What can you do again? What can you do? Now that we know that these are a month or two out of date, um, mm. you have to account for the fact. Obviously, everyone was buying that that's for Christmas. Christmas. Yep, that's every other Mega Drive owning boy's Christmas present, isn't it, FIFA? Twas ever thus. Yeah, yeah. Summer. Badnik's Bridge Part 1 Written by Nigel Kitching With art by Casanovas Colours by John M. Burns And letters by Ellie DeVille Still on the run as a travelling circus After losing their secret base Sonic and the Freedom Fighters receive word That the new main thruster For the Death Egg Is in the midst of being transported To the floating island Sonic attempts to halt the transport convoy's progress By planting bombs On the Emerald Valley Bridge But he's caught in the act by a Trooper Badnik from the Special Badnik Service, which transforms its arm into a cage to hold our hero prisoner. Good first panel. Good second panel, making for a full good page. And to describe those panels before I fully launch into what that point that brings me to is, we've got like a head-on shot of a 
half a dozen crossbow bolts flying out yeah. of a crossbow. A volley of arrows. Yep, yeah. and the bolts down in the bottom right corner of a big widescreen panel as the bolts fly across and into it. Then we cut angle as the arrows embed themselves around Porker Lewis in his little carnival worker outfit and a big target board behind him. And we realise as we flip the page that it's just Amy doing a trick-shooting show at Bob Beakey's travelling circus. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a lot of examples where a sonic strip would open on such a, a, a minimalist first page. Two well, that's big panels. And it occurred to me that if you just look through the rest of the issue, there are a lot of large panels in this. Oh. And it does make me wonder uh-huh. if we've reached a point in the comic now where the writers and artists are starting to know each other's strengths. Mm. And if Kitching knew this was going to Casanova's... Because... You would, wouldn't you? This really feels like it's playing to his strengths, don't you think? Yeah, if you were writing for Casanova's, knowing now what you know about Casanova's from doing this show, that's what you'd do. You'd give him big pages, big You'd give him room to, to breathe, room mm. to do big backgrounds. But also, it's a, a rare thing. Not, not, I don't think it's completely unheard of, but it's a rare thing that we would have sort of the equivalent of a, a mini cold open tease mm-hmm. to an episode where, yes... Okay, we and any long-term readers can immediately figure out what's coming, but why is Porker Lewis getting shot like this, we might think? Like, why has he got that bandana on his head? And then we turn the page, and yeah, the reveal is, it's Bob Beaker's Travelling Circus. So this is the first time we're finally getting a solid look at exactly what they're doing now they've lost their base. That's a welcome thing. I think random stories fit in my head better when we know what the underlying continuity is. So that's good. Aside from the not good Sonic No More, which fell out Mm. of continuity order anyway, this is the first uh, kitchen written strip since they left the base. Yes, and I think I would have preferred to have this before the other sort of, you know, episode of the week stories we've had in between. Because... Yeah, just when I know that this is what they're doing, the idea that they're in between, they're going off and having little adventures, Mm -hmm. it sits better with me rather than epic story, epic story, epic story, just some stuff. You know? But sadly, that is just not something the comic would ever shake off, as we know, you know? Yeah. It's just it would do big run of Kitching and Elson epics, income Stringer to do some of the in-between stuff in between. So, But all I require is, and Stringer, it doesn't have to be Nigel, like anyone can do this, but I do want to have a story like this, which starts with an establishing, here is what life is like. Not just Sonic and Tails are running through his own one day, but here is what life is like. We're in this situation. Mind you, we did already yeah, yeah. have one that started in the uh, the wagon, so that's okay. But that was the uh, the Tails one that Kitching wrote in the Christmas oh. issue. You think of the one where Sonic so was there we the are then. Yeah. So I feel like I need to be at home knowing what we're doing generally before I can accept that we've gone off on adventure. These days. Early Sonic, no. Give me a random adventure. But when there's been a big change, you know? Uh, I'm forgiving of it at this stage because, I mean, it's weird to say even though now that we are this in, but what, has Stringer written more than five issues of the comic yet? No, I don't think so. Around that, yeah. So, you know, it's like, hey, you know... He probably doesn't even know if he's, you know, here to stay yet or anything like that. You know, he doesn't feel like he's maybe part of the of the world of it all yet. Yeah, and it's certainly not. I, I don't mean to suggest it's his fault at all. I oh, think no, no, no. It's, uh, it's just a choice. You know? It's something about the order that these things were printed. Anyway, point is, I'm happy that we are now here. What I didn't expect is that they're actually performing as the hmm. circus. That seems like more disguise than you need. 
(laughs) I thought they were just disguised so that they can wagon their way through barriers and so on but i guess the best part of if you're disguising yourself as a circus you can not do that any better than if that's a well-known circus that everyone knows is coming to town so okay like with mike hadley on the christmas two issues i do feel casanovas has richard elson stuff on hand for reference now at this point too it's like elson's been established as the one to watch and yeah. well first of all porker's got hands and, sh- and feet again now mm. no, no trotters which which oh, casanova yeah. threw him with him in the last issue that he was in but um look on the second page and that uh-huh. tails just in the window of the caravan oh look at him that's the exact one isn't it yeah it's just the same as that panel uh from the end of robotnik's revenge where it was just tails's head in the window of the caravan and the clown get up and everything so you can really see what's being referenced so speaking of that these days i am always happy to see casanova's oh yeah i may not have been quite so sure the first time round, but i now i just look forward to seeing him every time i know we're gonna get really solid work well he's starting to really get it now yeah like, that's um, the thing this first panel on page two you can see something but like 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 these, I think they're bears who are applauding mm. in the audience, and the the dogs up the trees. There's those look like you know they belong in the world of Sonic. He's getting that stuff. Now this squirrel looks a bit more wind of the willowsy to me. Yeah, I love this squirrel. Oh, I love him. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, a, a childhood and a diet of British storybooks of that ilk. <laughs> you know that hits me. I get the it. way the <laughs> first panel is laid out is that you have the traveling circus wagon, but sort of converted almost to like stage mode in the background they're certainly sort of doing their act around it and then that's like the right hand side of the panel and the left hand side of the panel is devoted to this tree there's a ladder up it and some dogs a sort of father and son looking pair of dogs are up this ladder watching getting a good view over the crowd who there also is on the right hand side and then nearer to us in the branches of the trees there's just this applauding happy squirrel in a little waistcoat and a little uh, bow tie it's it's really like everybody even the bear family there and there's a rabbit watching as well it's like everyone's really put on their sunday best to come out and enjoy the fit yeah (laughs) exactly so what we're looking at now is it's the same they don't look the same as the richard elson ones but they look at least as if these are two artists doing an interpretation of the same idea yeah yeah. To a certain extent, what we're getting is a, a really just visually appealing set of animal people of Casanova's own creation. But it just works. Yeah, the whole sort of world is coming together now across yeah. the span of these strips. You know, the comic is really locking in its identity. And, like, there's lots of examples of Casanova's just doing his usual strengths throughout this strip as well. Mm. I mean, but I do feel I'd be remiss if I didn't point out how awkward his <laughs> Bob Beaky makes me feel. Yes, he's... Tall and strange, isn't he? He looks like a, a person in costume, not Sonic in costume. Bob Beaky should always be shaped like a bell to me. Yes. You know, because he's wearing a big Egg. layer, big padded jacket, big, it, just to completely hide everything of Sonic underneath. And yeah. it's impossible to imagine that Sonic is underneath the costume that Casanovas has drawn him. He's wearing a ringmaster outfit, um, complete yeah. with John purse. <laughs> And all that's hiding the face is the is a scarf and the fake beak and shades. Yeah, and he's got quite detailed legs. You can see the knees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't see Sonic's knees normally, <laughs> even when he's out of costume. The only Sonic that could be in this costume is the first go-round movie Sonic. He could go in this costume, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sonic Boom Sonic could fit in there all right. Okay, if we are pointing out the few misgivings we have about the Casanova's art, I guess we need to mention... On page three, Porker's tails face. I mean, yeah. Porker is doing the tailsest face. <laughs> and you can tell because tails is doing it 
everywhere else on the page. <laughs> God, it's like Casanova's he's doing so well, but that Tails head. And yeah, Porker's just going, do actually to be honest, that's a little bit worse than Tails face. That's kind of like a sex doll face, Porker is Well, yes. There. Because it's not it just so that the, puckered. Yeah, it's not just that the tongue appears to be sticking out, it's that the whole mouth is moving forwards on it onto the very front of his face. Do <laughs> It almost points... It looks like it points as far as his snout does. <laughs> but that's it. Everything else is brilliant. That's it. I got no more grapes besides <laughs> that. It's just these little things that... Like, he's clearly... And we pointed this out in the uh, the chiller story. Mm. He's clearly so much better got to grips with the look and the feel and the style of Sonic's world at this point, you know? Mm. Even the Sonic characters themselves. Sonic looks great in Fantastic. This. Yep. They all do. And so because of that, we're able to just really bask in, like what he's really good at. So his actual line work... Uh, the flipping... The vehicle! The oh, yeah. big vehicle! On page five, we see this... There's a couple of things to mention before that, so I'm kind of skipping ahead, but when the rocket that's going to launch the Death Egg is being transported across the bridge, holy sh! The vehicle that it's on. Yeah, it's this huge crawler. Yeah, Full of... You can see all the internal workings and pistons and it just all looks like it would work. And this is a Fantastic. big panel that's half the height of the yeah. page again. And all these beautiful foliage and mountains and clouds and everything in the background. I mean, oh, come on. I mean... Yeah. Oof. Oh, and But before that, we get a cutaway to the floating island where Dr. Robotnik and Grimer are and we get to see... A Casanova's version of the launch base zone. Ooh, and it's interesting because it's still kind of the old Death Egg. It's still egg Yeah, you noticed that, right? Yeah. There's multiple little eye-style windows in different places. So they haven't got the design of the Death Egg yet. But it looks great. And all oh. the gantries and the cranes and everything. You can yeah. get the sense that there's really a whole operation going on here. Yeah, way more than the actual launch base zone from the game. These cranes and gantries and things look real. It looks like real industry. They are heavy and complicated, and you can see that they are correctly counterbalanced, so that when one's carrying, you know, a load of pipes, yeah. you're like, yeah, that would work. It wouldn't topple over. There's like a sort of people carry a lift thing going up one of them. There's satellite dishes everywhere. Oh, it looks great. Casanova's amazing. So good. I mean, the purpose of this particular cutaway seems purely to take, go and read Knuckles. <laughs> Because yeah, Grimer gets a phone call from the Marxios just to uh, up to, and that, of course that then flags up uh, the continuity issue, which yes. is like, so how did Knuckles have time to star in the Christmas Story? Yeah, before this, if uh, <laughs> we know that from his own strip, it was following straight on from the end of mm. Robotnik's Revenge that he wound up going to the Carnival Night Zone. When could he have ever left? To, um, I see what you mean there, yeah. Uh, well, no room in Knuckles' timeline for it to take place. Maybe this all happened just before Christmas, and then that's the next thing that happens. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I love this page. Oh, yeah. You start off with a Casanova's floating island. Now, he doesn't know what that it looks like, so it's literally just a floating island with just the launch base zone on it, but it looks great. And he's got little, like, crumbling off rocks yeah. around it that are also flying that just give it this fascinating magic effect it looks great oh it's so good and then when we get the little office that they're in again that looks great it's full of background details yeah and foreground details too it's just loaded with creepy green technology <laughs> i love robotnik's face in the first panel this is where <laughs> grimer's saying you know good news a report from the marks your brother says that knuckles will soon be finished and robotnik's doing a full-on it's almost as if there was a speech balloon there he's like raw yeah but there isn't, so it's just funny. But it's great. Hey, 
he's just doing an adventure's face. <laughs> and well, yes. That's interesting because Casanova's here is drawing more like the adventures. He's looked at Richard Elson's artwork, which you can tell by the way his teeth are connected in his second panel. That's a Richard mm. Elson jaw. Yeah, yeah, with the big lips folding out and wrapping around. Yeah. And the sort of the bit of gum around the teeth is what I always recognise. But mm. He's also looking at the adventures style book. So it's kind of a, a cross between the two versions. It just it looks fine, it looks good. I don't know how these artists managed to make Robotnik from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog look like an acceptable No, I don't mean to say because I love Robotnik in Adventures and I'm not having a go. But that is a particular extremely wacky style that's meant to look daft and ridiculous and somehow they they pull it off so that he doesn't yeah, they just made it work they really made it their own mm. and of course i mean the way the artists draw him will sort of flow and change with time so mm. he's quite separate from the adventures look by the end yeah you know, he doesn't ever egg regenerate himself like he did before but no sadly not but uh, sdc really made this design its own yeah and then we get the scene where sonic is being an actual, like, freedom fighter. Yeah, being a real gorilla. Yeah, he plants these mines on the bridge, which is a civilian bridge. It's one of the, it's like an Emerald yeah. Hill zone bridge. It's a big stone bridge. Yeah. You, you say Emerald Hill bridge, you yeah. immediately maybe think the little log bridges. No. no, this is a big, full, proper, like, industrially carved yeah. bridge. And he's going to use these explosives to take it down because it'll set back Robotnik. No centrist, this Sonic. I'll tell Suze Kempner. Yeah, no lib damn energy here. <laughs> He's taking this bridge down, but he doesn't get to because here we get the first SBS trooper. Oh, and how good does it look oh as well? Like, God. I don't know if it looks uh, different because Casanova's yeah. has drawn it or if it looks a little different because it's, you know, meant to be supposed to be a special kind of badnik. But God, it's gorgeous isn't it the way Casanova draws it he makes it very very powerful looking and shiny mm. he invests it with loads of like power and speed everything it does looks like it's as fast as Sonic when it punches the floor that speed looks the same as Sonic speed when he jumps out of the way you are under assault if you come up against this thing it looks so powerful even though it does kind of resemble the existing troopers that we've seen just something about it feels like it's got more spikes more spikes on the shoulders mm. more spikes on the head that tubes coming up off the back and more exposed gears and wiring exactly and, and all the joints yeah more of that casanova's gear stuff that he puts all over everything it's oh it's so good casanova's yeah and then it's able to uh, sonic kicks it off the bridge but it turns out it's got these extending like telescopic transforming limbs so one arm comes up and grabs the edge of the bridge and the other arm comes up and turns into a cage that clasps around sonic may i introduce myself as one of dr robotnik's elite soldiers from the special Badnik service. Yeah, this being from the era where Sonic enemies are named after the SS. <laughs> we have the SSSSS and we have the SBS. <laughs> well, the SBS is, was the special boat service, wasn't it? Was in, it? In the British forces. Oh, I didn't know that. It's the fact then that, yeah, the Sonic specifically abbreviated to. The SBS, oh, great. It does kind of feel like, for whatever reason, that's what they were making a reference to. I just thought it was... Oh, that sounds like an SS. Because they're evil troopers and they look like that. Oh, I mean, and they've already got the style helms and everything. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, that we pointed out a long time ago. But yeah, Trooper Badniks, 100% growing upon fascist iconography in their designs. Yeah, and this is a super soldier one of those. And it's it genuinely comes across as a real threat. Like, the, up till yeah. now, even though 
I don't know if I feel that great about it because it's a bit of what Nigel once described as Power Rangers logic, where you have to up the ante every time you've created something that now feels normal so you now have to create a super version of that that feels normal so now you have to create a super version of that the troopers were always meant to be much worse than badniks yeah they didn't have the organic batteries they were on their own they were but they just sort of stand around and get hurt by sonic so this one is really going to be like a powerful thing of course, it would be uh, Stringer who would find the way to take that to its ultimate expression in a mm. way that felt logical and put a capstone on the idea. Yeah. But that's, um, I was going to say that's a ways away, but that's this year too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we come to the end. Yeah, the transport is still trundling over the bridge, heading towards the mines that Sonic has placed. And if it hits them with Sonic and the trooper stuck on a bridge... They're all going to go sky high. And again, the last page is just two big panels. So again, really, really feels like it's playing to Casanova's strength. Yeah. Maybe written to do And one of the strengths that he has is making this thing look big. It looks enormous, this rocket. It's in the first panel as we see it kind of at an angle in the distance at the other end of the bridge. It's like stretching out so far that we don't get to see either end of it. And then in the final panel, it's trundling towards us. We're on the floor with the mines. With this yeah, with the mines. giant thing trundling towards us. And what he's done, the trick that he's done is... Ever so clever. Not only is the machine so big that you can't even see the rocket at this scale because it's above the panel. It's so big. So you've got, you know, all of the, like, perspective you'd expect from that. But he's put a little kind of... I can't even tell if it's a separate vehicle or if it's... Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the cab that's actually that's driving the this. crawler or just like a forward uh, a forward cuz cuz there are there are like little convoy flying vehicles alongside well. it to like protect it. So I can't tell if the vehicle in front is yeah. But either way there's a smaller kind of cabin's vehicle thing in front driving along and that just enhances the because that looks big as well cuz it's got big uh, like what are the monster truck wheels the big huge wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look, you can see there's a, the little head of a trooper badnik sitting in the cockpit. No way. To give it scale as well. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. So that's enormous. And then that is just dwarfed by the huge rocket-carrying thing behind it. Casanova. And of course it should be, because it's the Death Egg. But like, yeah. yes, he's got it. But yeah, it looks yeah. so good. It's like, uh, you know, there's not a huge amount of real uh, story happening in this issue, but... It's, uh, uh, but it, it's because they've given over so much page space to let the artist really sell the imagery at work. You know, it's, ooh, it's a gorgeous looking one. Not, not necessarily the most exciting Sonic story we've ever had. Although, like, it excites me because, I mean, the thing we have to remember is, like, this is the death egg thruster. I know. This is the beginning of, this is it. No, this yeah. is it, Dave. This is yeah. the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is chapter zero or chapter minus three. Of, as we barrel now <laughs> towards the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation, that oh is widely remembered by even the most filthiest mm-hmm. of casual who hasn't thought of <laughs> Sonic the comic in 30 years as the story, yeah. the absolute golden age pinnacle of the comic. Yeah, and I never knew that it had this lead in, this prologue phase at all. And just, it's fantastic. And it really does. While being a normal Sonic story, essentially, you know, Adventure of the Week, and here are the big troopers, it's it's just, uh, you know, it, it could be a throwaway story. But because it is sat here, and there's the rocket 
from the launch base. You know, they're not, they don't look exactly the same in the game, but you see these rockets in the game. They are enormous in the game. Here's the story of how they were transported over there. We're getting a context for what is happening in this version of the story. The Death Egg is being built. It's going to be launched. If you are a Sonic and Knuckles or a Sonic 3 and Knuckles player, you know where we're heading with this. And if you're not, and you're an STC reader, as I was at the time, then you are just... It, this is it. It's happening now. This is your version of the story unfolding before your eyes. Yeah. And it's day one of 1995. It starts when this year starts, and it goes through yeah. this year. And just... Ooh. When I popped the issue open and I saw this was the story that it was, I had to think for a minute, and I was like, well, this is a two-parter. Then there's that one. And then maybe there's like one in between, and then it's like then it happens. Oh. Like we are not far away at all from the beginning of this that will then hit the. I think does this go into summer? Maybe I think it, it might. Must do. I can't guarantee that, but it feels like it did. <laughs> Five months, so June at the least. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, it's an exciting portent with lots of lovely art. So what we've got here is... Now, launch base zone is Sonic 3, right? But if we allow it to be Sonic 3 and Knuckles, this is a very Sonic and Knuckles-based issue, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost uh, it a Sonic rather, and Knuckles special, yeah. in a way. You know you're not wrong. Because if we turn the page... To the... Refuse Zone! It's a, a double review zone of uh, Sonic and Knuckles, as Megadroid told us, but also Sonic Triple Trouble for the Game Gear. Yes. Both by David Gibbon this time, who uh, actually delivers what I would call some real reviews. <laughs> this time as well. And because it's Sonic and Knuckles, I'm just going to read it out. It's not very long. Following on from the huge success of Sonic 3, the next episode in the life of Sega's blue superstar is Sonic and Knuckles. This is the first game of its type to have a top slot, allowing previous titles in the series to be backwardly compatible. Chris, I have spent years trying to figure out why I thought the term for it was backwardly compatible. When online you hear backward compatible or backwards compatible. Backwards compatible, yeah. I remember being like, I thought it was called backwardly compatible. No, that's just what David Gibbon calls it, I think. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. For example, placing Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles allows you to be Knuckles in the game, thus adding a new dimension to gameplay and giving value for money with Sonic 1, 2, and 3. Played over a total of six levels with two new bonus rounds, harder to beat bosses, plus plenty more objects to interact with and avoid, this game is an improvement on its predecessor. The 3D in-your-face special stage is still present, but unfortunately... Now, here's where he starts saying things that I'm like, this didn't age well. Mm. Unfortunately, the basic gameplay of running at speed, collecting rings and finding emeralds remains unchanged. So he's annoyed that it's a, a classic-style Sonic game. He goes on to say here, Though this is the best Sonic game released so far, it would be wise for Sega to come up with a much-needed change of gameplay for the future. And would he it? says the same thing in the Triple Trouble review. Yeah. It has to be said, a change in game type by Sega wouldn't go amiss the next time around. So I think it's yeah. interesting to look back at this moment in time yeah. and see how perhaps just culturally like generally speaking people were like okay but what have you done for me lately like yeah. what have you got that's new and compare that to today where it's like every new thing they tried <laughs> was terrible yeah. and no this is all anybody wants yeah certainly on this podcast we would love more sonic mania style games in this style 
because bless them, they tried everything they could. You know, yeah. I kind of am harsh on Sonic Adventure, but I loved it at the time and it was a grand thing to try. It didn't maybe quite 100% work out, but if they'd have kept at it and it just, they just fell apart over and over again trying new things when this formula worked so well. But yes, apparently, and I had edited this out of my memory, if David Gibb, it could just be that David Gibbon simply doesn't like Sonic games. But possibly, <laughs> if we can take him as an example of the way reviewers felt about these games, Sonic has had a number of games that were basically the same, and it could be that the audience was sick of it. Could be. I wasn't. It's a reasonable... No, I wasn't, because obviously I didn't own many of them. But, uh, yeah, and again, yeah. Yeah, in the Triple Trouble review, he says, the aim is still to rescue the six Chaos Emeralds whilst defeating evil Dr. Robotnik. Brackets. Humph. So he's not not keen. I'm not... Yeah, I couldn't quite parse that humph. I wasn't I sure think, if he was humphing about it being the aim or just... Uh, in, just like it doesn't... A, in a Dr. Robotnik, Robotnik voice, or yeah. I, I yeah. think it's him being sick of the games, and I'm not 100% sure. But yeah. yeah, it's like he's just coming into STC to say, I don't like Sonic. Here's two pages of me talking about that. <laughs> Can you fire me, please? <laughs> I'm so done with this comic. I was a little um, puzzled by this one line in the Sonic and Knuckles review, which is the much criticized FRAM save facility mm. introduced in Sonic 3 is not included, making it much harder to complete. Um, was it much criticized? That's exactly the note that I've put down. Was it criticized? I don't know. I can imagine that what was criticized was like, well, this game isn't really hard enough to warrant it being in this yes. game. Um, I understand that as a kind con- Yeah, you would definitely finish Sonic 3 much faster with the ability to pick up from the last level you were on. Yeah. So perhaps that's... Yeah, I mean... Maybe that Because you it. don't stress that, that not having it makes it harder to complete and those who like a challenge will be satisfied. So perhaps it... I, I mean, I don't remember it myself. Well, that's the I- thing. A Sonic 3 was kind of a bridge between the two generations of gamers where it's like earlier... The point of gaming, to read a lot of reviews, was to have a frustrating time trying and yeah. failing to get through this thing that you, like, own. <laughs> and that, like, the point of games was to prevent you from playing it. Whereas now the point of a game is almost, you know, to be... Like, now, I and I'm not saying this is a criticism, I want to be handheld through a game to a certain degree because yeah. I've only got so much life ahead of me and time that I can yeah, spend on games. Yeah, we're old now, you know. Yeah. I don't have time for... The purpose of a game for me is a challenge for me to beat, not something to mindlessly fill 100 hours over and over again. No, to, to me, the challenge is to see what's next at all times, and that... Sonic 3 allowed me to do that because I never had to start again. I've never played Sonic 1 through legit. Like, I don't think I've ever done it. You freak. I know, I don't think I've ever done it because it's like, okay, maybe it's just because I have the safety net that is the level select code, so I don't need to. Yes, well, we all did. I mean, no, I definitely did not play Sonic all the way through for quite some time mm. years potentially after mm. after actually owning it in the early yeah. 90s actually sitting down and going from start to finish yeah. and so the last levels even with the fact that i've always had the cheat the last levels just because they're harder and less fun yeah. they're still a bit mysterious to me i haven't seen them as many times whereas sonic 3 i know inside out and maybe it's because you could save and i was essentially doing a sort of version of cheating but listen i was a small boy Give me, give me that. Like, allow me this small comfort. <laughs> and you, I mean, you definitely needed the save feature to beat Sonic Three and Knuckles when you put them together, because it's a huge game. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's yeah. that's why the save feature exists at all, mm-hmm. because of the size yeah. that Sonic Three was originally supposed to be. So while it may have been criticized 
within the the isolation of just being in Sonic 3 itself, it was an absolutely essential feature for Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And I remember before figuring out the Sonic 3 and Knuckles thing, and also, you know, we were kids, so we didn't just buy any game we wanted. We've talked about it before. You wait for birthdays, Mm. you wait for Christmas, and sometimes you swap games. And so it wasn't always guaranteed that you would have both of those games at the same time, because sometimes you would have swapped your Sonic 3 for someone else's Sonic and Knuckles. And, uh... It wasn't until I owned them both that I really got into Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And I remember the difference in feel between playing Sonic and Knuckles by itself and it feeling like a daunting in a good way. Mm. It felt harder. It felt more confining. And and again, in a good way. But then you played Sonic 3 and Knuckles. The reason, perhaps, why you really got into that was to have access to the save feature. So you played through the Sonic 3 levels essentially to unlock save in Sonic and Knuckles. And um, that was what led you to discover when you got there and stuff started going on with Super Emeralds that like, oh wait, this is its own thing and it's amazing. Yeah, we weren't quite aware yet that it unlocked a full game. We were just thinking of it as like, yeah, yeah you can kind of mix match the player characters. We're like, We always knew you could put Knuckles in Sonic too. We were clear on yes. that. But yeah, we really yes. didn't. I don't know if anybody... Because this stuff was always so vague, the mm. way the information was related to us, I don't think we really properly understood that, yeah, if you plugged Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles, oh yeah, you could play Sonic 3 as Knuckles, and then you got to the end of Sonic 3, and it just kept going! Yeah, the way it was described to us by the single line in the manual and the reviews you might have seen in magazines was usually, you can play all of the levels of the two games through without stopping, or you can play as Knuckles in Sonic 3. It took you playing it yourself to find out that, no, it's a game. It is its own game. It has extra stuff. It's got an extra level. It was always meant to be like this, and it took us uh, quite a while to kind of collectively figure out, yeah, no, this is the real game, and it kind of doesn't have a name. Sonic 3 and Knuckles was just like what that's it was. What, yeah, that's, that's just true. what came up on the title screen so you knew what you'd plugged in. And that's why I quite like that it's recently taken on this new identity as like Sonic 3 Complete, which was a ROM hack that someone made that lets you play it through. I haven't heard that one. Uh, oh, Sonic 3 Complete is a wonderful thing. You ought to have a go. Listeners, you ought to have a go. It's a ROM hack where they've put the two games together and then they've restored some stuff that was supposed to be in it that got cut. And so, for example, the levels, you know, you have flying battery in Sonic 3, and it kind of, now it makes sense that you would transfer oh, from that level to that level. That, yeah. But also there's lots of adjustable things, so you can pick, like, well, I want the mini-boss music from this game, and I want the, you know, let me keep the level music when I'm supersonic instead of having the supersonic loop that's annoying, things like that. But um, even more recently, and I've been getting into this lately, this is relevant since we're talking about Sonic & Knuckles, Sonic 3, Angel Island Revisited, or Sonic 3 Air. Now, you have to have a copy of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. The legal way of doing that is to have bought it on Steam. It works with ROMs Mm. as well. And what it does is it just converts your Sonic 3 and Knuckles ROM into a Christian Whitehead-style PC version of the game. So, number one, widescreen. Proper support for widescreen. Number two... 60 frames per second where that's relevant um so for example the special zones where you're collecting the blue and red balls Mm -hmm. they run smoothly now like in mania or you can turn that off if you prefer it the other way like i do and you can pick things like okay i want knuckles to have his sonic 3 theme when i'm in the sonic 3 levels but it's sonic and knuckles theme change it to something yeah same with the mini bosses things like that it fixes that one instance where knuckles is fighting actual robotnik instead of an egg robo it fixes that just mm. like that. So it's just a good way of playing sonic 3 and knuckles and i've been playing mm. it and i heartily recommend it 
So there we go. I like uh, in the graves box on the uh, the wrap up. It's the negative points of the game are could be responsible for a few dinners going cold. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> was. Ooh, not in my house. No, no, that would be turned off on you if you were late for your dinner. Oh yeah. Anyway, there was a, there was a lot of right, David, in our house. <laughs> Come on! Oh, yes. That, yeah, Tea yeah. Come on We're starting! You know, they would all start without you, you know. It's going cold! <laughs> yeah. It's been out there for two minutes, Mum. It's definitely not cold yet. <laughs> so it doesn't go cold that fast. Yeah, and also, I'm at an age where, for some reason, I'm comfortable eating cold food and actually prefer it slightly. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm a miserable teenager. <laughs> <laughs> you ever play Triple Trouble? Nah. I think I did play and beat it on, yeah, it was on Sonic Jams. That's the one, The, yeah. the PlayStation in the collection with Sonic CD. I'm pretty sure I played it mm-hmm. to completion. Oh, really? It occurs to me that I don't remember anything about it, and that was a lot longer ago than I think it was. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting that all of these screenshots include the overscan border. Yeah, they look worse than I remember the game looking, because then I looked it up on YouTube just to, you know, tell... I mean, I suppose they are from a game gear what are you I gonna mean, do you know sure. and i don't know how they were even exporting it but uh, no it's quite i remember it being quite a good looking game for, mm-hmm. for what it was so yeah. i remember enjoying it anyway anyway you could play as tails in it and it was called triple trouble because it was robotnik and knuckles and this was the game that introduced knack the weasel yes knack the weasel first mention of him in stc hmm. he has a we'll get there when we get there but he has a slightly different role in uh, stc than in other versions of sonic we'll find out when we get there yeah that's this year too Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure that's this year. Wow, what a year. <laughs> oh, we're going to have a great time. Streets of Rage. The Only Game in Town, Part 3. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Peter Richardson, letters by Tom Frame. While Max Azel... No. <laughs> While Mal Anal... No. <laughs> While Max, Axel, Blaze, and Skates continue to fight for their lives against the gangs, Sergeant Ferocio uses his leverage to arrange for a helicopter to come to their rescue. But when the chopper appears above them, our heroes aren't sure if these cops can be trusted. So this one's just a fight scene. Mm. There's nothing much to say, but again, just very much like the Sonic strip, in fact. Mm-hmm. Lots of big panels. Big, big panels. Not, yeah, yeah, not much happens, but it happens so well. Following on from the cover tease of Screech of Rage, it was referring to the screech of motorcycle tires, as our heroes have to deal with those gang members with the big furry things on their shoulders <laughs> coming in at them on motorbikes. You know, Axel takes a hit, skates, I like this bit where, yeah, skates grabs the handlebars of one and just rolls along in front of it on his blades, you know, and he gets in the way of the guy so he can't see where he's going and he causes yeah. him to crash. And then, and then there's just this, this total full page one which i mean i don't know the fact that they gave over a whole page to this maybe says they were like yeah i don't know if i have too many ideas for this particular chapter (laughs) of story i know where i wanted it to start and i know where i wanted it to end and here's some stuff to just fill up the pages with in between Mm -hmm. but it's a full page shot of max just literally catching a motorbike as it vaults at him by the whatever the bars that connect the axle the wheel on are yeah he just grabs it, it goes hoof, and it kind yeah. of hits him in the chest, but he gets it yeah. and he's fine. It's amazing. But it's like he takes it with his whole body yeah. to really hold, you know. Blaze is going, get out of the way, move! And he's like, he nah. plants his feet. Nah, I'm just going to get it. Max Hatchet, brick shit house, just <laughs> takes it, and that's good. Catches a manned motorbike, and the bloke, and it's like, it just kind of 
flings the bloke up over his head. But that's probably the biggest, unless I'm forgetting anything, the biggest panel in Streets of Rage yet. But this issue also has the smallest panels in Streets of Rage yet, which are the first four that open the whole comic. Because uh, yeah. the first page is... Uh, this is brilliant, by the way. The first page is mostly one big full-page picture of, like, the backs of all the Streets of Rage characters looking as something roars towards them, and it turns out to be this, yes, this uh, bike. A big headlight shining up the darkness, illuminating the whole page from center stage. But along the top, there are these four tiny little square panels, which are... Basically, you start outside the police department, and then you're zooming in first on a window where oh, it's really great, isn't it's it? It's so good where you can see Ferocio on his phone, and then we get closer to him so we can see who it is because it says his name on the little, you know, the little triangle sign on his desk, and then we're right up to him. And what it is is pushes in on the mouth on the handset. Yeah, yeah, yeah Johnson. I still have the photographs. I don't suppose your wife's ever seen. Oh, oh, yeah. Funny you should ask. There is something I want. A helicopter. We're just watching a man extort someone else with yeah. dirty photos, long lens yeah, photos this is of, one of him the good cops. carrying on in some way with presumably another woman. And yeah, and this is this is one of the good cops, and this is in Sonic the Comic, and this is Nigel Kitching. It's it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's totally of a piece with the Mark Miller stuff. So yeah, he's getting this helicopter to come to the rescue of our heroes down by the river. And then this chopper arrives on the final page in another huge big panel of the, yeah. of the chopper arriving and boom, blasting a big yellow spotlight down onto the crowd. It's kind of a funny, uh, they say, everyone freeze. Mm-hmm. And then I, Axel says, a police chopper, but the cops want our hides as much as the gangs do. And then the police officer says, move it. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Freeze or move it? Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> quite exactly is being well, oh, no, no, wait, wait, I just, no, into I, the helicopter yeah i just got it it's actually the panel isn't super well staged it's easy to miss if you look in the very bottom left of the panel you can see they're throwing a rope ladder down to the are they down to our heroes oh so they are oh i never noticed that they're supposed to be dropping a rope ladder to our heroes who are like do we go for it yeah you think we have a choice you know they don't know if these cops are okay to trust because they don't know who sent it but yeah so yeah that's like the one slightly dodgy bit of staging probably would have been better to show that from the ground level of the rope ladder coming down towards them rather than from over the shoulder of the cop in the copter i agree with that and although it didn't happen to work on us we ought to give points to Tom Frame for trying to draw our attention to it by putting that last dialogue underneath the ladder so that we had to go <laughs> past it to see it. Um, but it uh, it didn't happen to work. And yet still missing him. Yeah. Oh, and, and we should note as well that um, after catching the bike, Max interrogates the writer and learns, uh, which our heroes did not know. We learned as an audience last week, but they did not know about the fact this is Mr. X running a book on which gang will be the one who kills them all, so they know Mr. X is behind it now. Yeah. That's such a good framing device. So Nigel's come up with that as an excuse for, why is everyone just indiscriminately beating up these four people as they walk through the town? <laughs> and yeah. this makes perfect sense as a reason why. So yeah, as we say, not unlike Sonic, in fact, not a huge amount of story mm-hmm. happening within these pages, but lots of lovely, big, exciting panels that are just fun to look at, yeah. you know, and then moves things on to the next stage. News Zone! The next level! 
32x titles lift us higher. Stand by for multi-polygon 3D, get ready for ace light sourcing and prepare yourself for superb sprite scaling ability. If this all sounds... Yeah, and, and get ready for 51 <laughs> teraflops to the mega farts. Like, what does any of that mean? Like, nonsense. What is light Well, Chris, sourcing? if this all sounds too technical, all will be revealed this January and February because software no, design... No, it won't. Why, won't it? I mean, it, it will in the sense that if you buy the games, but you, it won't make you understand what that means. <laughs> because software designed especially for Sega's new 170 pound upgrades. God, look, look, they're doing it again. They're mentioning the it's like with the mega, <laughs> multi mega. It's like they gotta tell you the price of it to make you go. Oh, it's b b moon though. The thirty two X is about to hit town. So I was surprised when I read this because I thought like, wait, is thirty two X not out? Yeah, I've been getting the impression it was, but I think they're saying that yes, it was, but the software wasn't, and it's about to be. I, I guess. Yeah. It's I'm a not, weird yeah. delay, isn't it? I mean, now we've heard about cosmic carnage before. Out the new year, already being billed as the ultimate fighting game, exclusive screenshots here, it certainly looks as if it will beat up other beat-em-ups, one-to-one uh, -one fighting scenario between bizarre alien characters, different combat techniques, special moves, blah blah blah, bolt-on weapons, etc, etc, smooth fighting action, blah blah. Listen, they're not, they're not fully selling this. I looked up this game and it actually looks pretty cool. Well, no, but the point I was going to make was we've heard about it before in the short burst, because I know, because I looked it up and it was absolute trousers. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's such a shame because when I was having a look at it on YouTube it had a couple of things I liked. First of all, the story, which is that it starts with a crawl and it's like the story is there's this big prison barge whose prisoners have broken out and killed all the crew. So now they're just stuck drifting through space. They're like, oh wait a minute, we can't fly this barge. So they send out a distress beacon and a military cruiser comes by to check that out. They ram into the military cruiser, they board it, they kill everyone again in a massive battle, but now <laughs> they've ended up destroying all but one escape pod. So the reason they're having a fighting game is that the few remaining people alive are going to fight each other to be able to use the one escape pod. Oh, that's not a bad idea for a story, yeah. <laughs> Very polite of them all to take turns one after the other. <laughs> but the, the thing that I thought looked cool is that after you've selected your character, all of which look kind of cool to me, and they are, they do all use scaling tricks and stuff to even exist on the screen. They're not just drawn sprites, they do all sorts of weird stuff. Once you've selected your character, you then select which cyborg limbs and add-ons you want them to have for this fight. Yeah, they talk about the bolt-on weapons. Here. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's I mean, cool. That's a cool concept. Uh, also, one of the fighters, the one that they were using in the video I watched, is called Naruto. <laughs> well, there you go. So I was like, oh, I guess Naruto means something in Japanese. And I looked it up and it kind of doesn't. And there's arguments over what it translates to. So it's a really big coincidence. that I think they were just trying to sound Japanese or something. Uh, but it's it's bad, is it? Uh, so I've read. Hang on. I'll oh, just, what a I'll just shame! Pull her up there, uh, cosmic carnage. The title garnered mostly negative reception from critics since its release. Oh. Cosmic Carnage received mostly negative reviews. Even Sega of America president Tom Kalinske declined to defend the game when an interview brought up the negative response Cosmic Carnage was getting. He said only, "Well, you know, every now and again there are games with which we're not so happy." Oh wow. <laughs> wow. And I know who he is. He's like, yeah, he's the big Sega guy. He's the one that the Console Wars book is all about. So like, huh, that's, hmm, 
That's like if Reggie FM said, like, oh, yeah, no, Mario Odyssey's rubbish or whatever. Yeah, Mario <laughs> EGM said it was a disappointing game which fails to push significantly beyond the capabilities of the Genesis in either graphics or audio. Uh, they did remark that the armor mechanic is impressive, but the gameplay was mm. mediocre at best. Slow action, limited originality, more exciting fighters around. Next Generation gave it one out of five and said it was a sad, shambling mockery of a fighting game. Wow. And that's what we're being presented as our first example of what the 32X as can do. As a launch title, yeah. And then, God, there's like... Oh my God, I, <laughs> I swear to God, Dave, I took three or four goes to even read this paragraph. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I don't think I made it through. Two games based around sporting action, and it's not because they were sports games. No, this is the most boring sounding, certainly name of a sports game I've ever heard. Uh, the game is... Golf Magazine presents Greatest 36 Holes. Jesus Christ. I mean, that sounds like... I even... And and when I went to look for this one on YouTube, something about it, including the name, it did make me feel as if it's, like, literally just for dads who are not even... Like, I don't know why they would even have a Mega Drive. It's for people... It's like a giveaway. It's like if a tape came on the front of a golfing magazine. A video or something. It's I don't know why it's a game. Yeah. Really cool soundtrack though. says here it offers you stunning graphics as well as advice from top golfer Fred Couples because the full name of the game is according to Wikipedia Golf Magazine presents 36 holes starring Fred Couples yeah so truly truly the only person on this earth that could possibly be appealing to is dad dads yeah the ur dad yeah it's like if there was a gardener's world game <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's the, the way that even even what they've got here it's like, uh, uh, you know, there's match play or tournament play, but best of all, you get to decide what your golfer wears. Yep. That's what STC presents as the most exciting bit of it. And then just makes jokes about yeah, bad why, golfer Why fashion. is STC giving this the time of day at all? I don't know. Because there's buck all else <laughs> up for the 32X. Yeah. And then the other one is Super Motocross. I genuinely didn't get far enough in the paragraph to know that they even mentioned this game. <laughs> I know, you, you, I, my eyes just kept sliding off the page. Uh, it's called Super Motocross here, but it was called Motocross Championship when it actually came out. Because, I mean, that's, that's an infinitely more thrilling title. Absolutely. Yeah, thrilling, to, yeah. Mm, yeah. Dirt in your face and sports and it's mad and muddy. God, aren't the captions rubbish on this news zone as well? They're, they're so desperately trying to be funny. Oh, yeah. It's muddy, it's mad, it's motocross. Nice shot. Shame about the slacks, it says on the game one. And then this one on Cosmic Carnage. Whoa, super alien action. <laughs> whoa. No exclamation mark. Whoa, no comma, no ex no punctuation. In fact, just whoa, in fact, super alien action. In fact, nice shot, same about the slacks. Gets an exclamation mark. Whoa, super alien action doesn't. That's just a full stop. Yeah. Extremely boring. Maybe he was trying to tell us. Maybe he was trying to be like, don't buy it. Don't get this game, it's bad. Oh, super alien action. <laughs> and then we get uh, a review of Skeleton Crew, which we've mentioned before. It does look quite cool to me when I look it up, at least on video. I haven't played it. This is the one where you're in 
I have mentioned before, you're in a sort of an arena and it's isometric view and you're stomping around and shooting at things. I love the very 90s names of all oh, the characters God, yes. involved in this. Yeah, uh, it's set on the planet, what's it called? The terrifying Psychogenesis planet, where evil cryogenics experimenter Mr. Moribund Cadaver. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and that's, and because it's the 90s, that's Cadaver oh, yes. spelled with a K. Oh, yes. As, and Psychogenesis as well. No CH in there. Yeah. It's a K. Oh, yes. It, it's a K, yeah. And uh, this Mr. Cadaver has created mutations called Psychogenics. That's Psycho with a K, Genics with an X, <laughs> responsible for wiping out cities. He's worse than a James Bond baddie because he wants to rule the universe with his company dead ink <laughs> i presume dead d-e-a-d because it's spelled all in capitals here yeah. uh stands for something but they don't tell us what no nope, just dead ink here yeah and then the heroes are all skeleton themed and they're called joint rib and spine it just looks cool to me i'd have to play it and find out if it is or not it looks a bit uh, it looks a bit amigery but then maybe i'm saying that because of my amiga bias maybe there were lots of games like this on the mega drive as well short bursts then they're confirming once again that Cadillacs and Dinosaurs is coming out. Yes, we heard about that an issue or two ago, didn't Price we? Price $44.95. Elon, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad for the time, remember, not whenever the time, Street no. Fighter was coming out and being 60. Or 70. Yes, but remember that Street Fighter is a good game, and this is just a video well, of a car going along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is an on-real shooter, isn't it? Yeah. So that exists. And then two rashers, please. Game Gear owners. Back to the rashers gags for this. Rashers. Game Gear owners are one behind in the Road Rash series, but not for long. While everyone else is rashing to the power of three, you'll soon be able to kick, punch, fight, and scrap in the sequel, Road Rash 2. It never happened. Expect to release in early February or sooner if you're lucky. Price around 30 quid. So that's, yeah, they're quite behind on the Game Gear with their road rashes. Mm. Surprising they're even bothering to bring it out at this stage. Like, why? Uh, they just don't. You're right. A similar event took place. When did they discontinue the Game Gear? I don't know, but it must have been around now, mustn't it? No, it wasn't discontinued until 1997, so two years lost! 97! Yeah. Flipping! That's when I bought mine, second-hand off my mate, thinking it was like a centuries-dead bit of tech that nobody could possibly care about anymore. Well, that's... The, you like the discontinuation dates of consoles yeah when you hear them are generally much later than you thought they were because yeah. everybody had moved on to the next thing by that point but but there were still people out there just buying it you know does it mean that they were clearing through old stock and they hadn't run out yet or are they still making them are they, are they paying a factory discontinue would generally mean to me that they yeah stopped the they actually ceased yeah. production of new units at that someone point, yeah. is paying for a factory to make game gears in 1997 well i guess that, well not, not at that point then they stopped in 1997 <laughs> well if they stopped in 1997 then it means they were doing it in 1997, at least a bit. I mean, I've closed the window now, so I'm not looking up the precise <laughs> the precise date yeah. when it stopped in 97. Still, that is a surprise. The last one on here has the header, French Lessons. The grapevine mm. has revealed that two Gaelic guys are soon to hit the Mega Drive. Asterix, the famous little warrior, is apparently dusting off his tunic and cape. Asterix doesn't wear a cape. Uh, for a sequel to the successful original. He might do. Has he not got a little red cape? Mm, I don't think so. Hmm... The trouble is, my the way that I would remember is by thinking about the Kinder Egg toys, but I don't think... I think I had Getafix, and he had a red cape, so that's what I'm thinking of. Getafix had a cape. Vital Statistics had a cape. Yeah. No, I think you're right. No cape, Asterix. Oh, well. What a gaff! 
Cancelled. No, oh, I know. Terrible. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> uh, furthermore, Hergé's boy, Detective... I was going to say Hergé's boy, Detective Tintin... <laughs> Furthermore, Hergé's boy detective Tintin is rumoured to be recruiting his dog Snowy and chum Captain Chris, Haddock for some crime-busting action. that's actually how I read it. You have educated me as to what they were trying to say there. <laughs> Hergé's boy detective... <laughs> you know, that reads like somebody who just wanted to show off the fact that they knew the names of some characters from Tintin, know, it doesn't, does, it? doesn't it? He didn't need to mention Snowy and Captain Haddock. Yeah, but he's embarrassed himself about the cape, hasn't he? So, not so clever now. Yeah, so it all... <laughs> Zero-sum game. Graphics <laughs> Even computers are becoming inspired by Sonic, Tails, and Megadroid. But remember what they say, behind every computer drawing is a creative boomer working away. So yeah, this is a graphic zone about, um... Computer drawings. We had a computer drawer in or two in, in the last couple of issues, and we, we were did. marveling at them. And apparently, computer drawing technology is a little further along than we realized. If they're getting as many as they can fill up a graphic zone with it, well, it doesn't surprise me because I was drawing things on on the Amiga at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm surprised to see so many people sending stuff in. And, you know, they're not great, most of them, but... Uh, well, it was hard to do back then. It was. You didn't have any kind of pen tablets back then. It was all done yeah. with the mouse. And so you can see the difference here, which is that, like... So we've got two just pictures of Sonic's face. The Ooh. first one, number one hedgehog, is a copy of the one year, the, the first, first birthday, birthday issue. Cover, yeah. yeah. Uh, drawn in, you know, something standard like MS Paint or what have you. By Ifan Burry from Bangor. We've got a standard Sonic's head from Leo Suarez and Perringer from San Francisco, USA. God blame me, Governor. I bet they didn't be sending him a Sonic badge, Chief. Oh, yeah, but he says he was a Sonic badge yeah. winner, so I guess... I like this one of his quite yes. a lot. It's got There's a, a good it's, one it's, here. Definitely, this has been uh, copied from some piece of, uh, if not box art, cartoon artwork. He's working off of a nice base. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's nice and round. Yeah. I feel like I could pick it up. <laughs> yeah it has nice depth look at that shadow under sonic's nose and uh, up around the curve of his muzzle it has depth to yes, it yes like the shading I, I, I wonder if it's the you know that drawing that was sort of like concept art cover art for the cartoon series where he was standing on the word sonic yeah. it could be that part possibly it could be that, or it, it's got a, a sort of nebulous energy about it where it could be that, or it could be a Greg Martin drawing. It's got a lot of the energy of both of those. The clue is that the front of his spike comes down into the middle of his head as a little point. Yeah, true. So that's the, it's definitely one that had that. Anyway, yeah, good job there. Uh, then we've got a lovely one from Kevin Prothero yes. in Northampton, who's drawn Tails and a Girl Tails sitting on little tree stumps, mm. holding hands, Tails is eating what is, I'm sure, a chili dog, but it's just a hot dog. I'm sure. And uh, she's drinking out of a bottle of milk with a straw. And um, it's just nicely done. And yes, it's, it's just a nice piece of art. It's very well accomplished for a computer drawing. Mm. She's got a bow tied to the point of her ear. Because she has to have a bow. Of course, that's how you know she's a girl. She's got a bow she's pink. and eyelashes and a skirt. And she's got little furry boobies. And she's and pink. Of that's how you know it's a girl. And she's kind of pinkish. So, and she's got girl shoes on. So in every possible way, she's drawn with all the accoutrements of a yes. girl version. But I do not hold that against a child in 1995. No, you can't, possibly. And also, Tails has a pair of shorts on, I guess. 
Just because once you've given one of them clothes, it gets awkward, and you have to put a pair of shorts on yes. the other one as well. Well, he, he, he has to hide his ardor. Yes, exactly. We can't see how much ardor it is from this picture, of course, because he's got the shorts. <laughs> and uh, Kevin has signed that with a full signature in the corner. <laughs> 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 and um, then we have... Another Tales from Matthew Harris of Huntingdon, York, which is a, a younger child's drawing of Tales. Oh, uh, I should say, Kevin has made a lot of use of things like oval tools for the eyes and the bodies in the... or Tails' body, mm. anyway. So he's pulling out all the stops with his software. All the tricks. Matthew Harris has just grabbed a mouse and drawn Tails with it. So it's a little bit rougher, but... He's uh, it. It's, uh, he's made a good go of it, especially of the attempt yeah. to draw his Tails spinning round, because he's currently in a flying pose. It certainly does seem he has drawn the line art and printed it and coloured it. Oh, yes, it's coloured in with pencils. Or, yes, pencil crayons yeah. or, or actual crayons. The spinning lines around the Tails are definitely... It didn't even really register to me about the colour but the way that they're orange, you know, lines around the tails. He's hand-drawn those in. Clever. Good technique. Yeah, good idea. Mm. The next one, though, all stops pulled out again, this time by Jonathan Williams of Telford, who has drawn heavily using the tools that you get with drawing programs. Not a lot of freehand involved here. Mm. And it's Megadroid. Yeah! I just love seeing drawings of Megadroid because it means it's being drawn by somebody who's a real Sonic the Comic fan, not just a Sonic fan. You know, they're in the fam. They're a boomer. Yeah, and they've really taken Megadroid to heart as we did, as a character, as a presence. Mm. And uh, Megadroid is a good drawing of Megadroid. I can only imagine that if he wasn't using a computer, he'd be even better at drawing because this is a good one. He's holding a little flag or a little sign that's got the STC uh, the early logo. triangular logo. Yeah. Lovingly recreated. It looks great. It's the, the belt buckle again. That's the, right. the belt clip we always come back to. Not the Sonic the Comic logo, the mm. one that actually says STC. And each All of the in circles. is inside a circle and the three circles are inside a triangle. Now, last thing I, I just want to say about these pages is I have a little theory. Just looking at the quality of them, I think Kevin Prothero the involved one with Tales and Girl Tales. I think Kevin actually sent a disc in because oh, yeah. that is just printed so well. Whereas all of the others have the hallmarks of having been printed out at home. There are like visible horizontal yeah, stripes. Lines in that, yeah. Jonathan Williams is brilliant Megadroid. Sadly, I think they're running out of ink. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain uh, weariness to the look of the colours in that one. But uh, yeah, no, the Tales and Girl Tales one, it's pristine. Yeah. Reproduce. The colours are so bold on it. Yeah, I think you're you're onto something with that one. Yeah, mm. what a wonderful little snapshot of time. Oh, you know? yeah. Look, here's the earliest like computer drawings that kids I are making know. and sending in. We're gonna put this page up, I think, on the uh, Twitter. Oh yeah, because this is worth looking at. It's lovely. It's so early days. You know, it's so it's so 1990. Well, four really. Four technically is when they drew yeah. them, but yeah, but still, it's 95 now. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised to find that they did some of these at school as part of an art project or something. Yeah, yeah, because we're, because we have a computer at home. Uh, no. Not a lot of people, no. It's position of privilege, that. What's it? There's something interesting about the colouring in the top one, the uh, the 100th issue one, because it, it kind of bleeds in between the lines, which is sort of difficult to achieve on a computer. I wonder if it was done with a lot of scribbling or something. Yes, that's what I... He hasn't flood-filled it. Mm. He's just dragged the paintbrush too. So there's spots where he hasn't covered it all the way, you know. He's basically... He's drawn an orange background, then drawn the lines, and then coloured in over the top of the lines and and all that. And in fact, doing a bit of sleuthing in the second one from Leo Suarez Perringer, it looks as if 
that was first drawn with black outlines, and then he realised mm-hmm. that Colored you couldn't over. see the black outlines, so he's got over them in white, so it stands out over the blue. Because yeah. you can see traces of both. That's, that's quite clever. Carnival Night Conspiracy, Part 5, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Richard Elson, and letters by Steve Potter. While the Marxio brothers are distracted by the arrival of the shuttle containing the first guests to the Carnival Night Zone, Knuckles recovers and is able to destroy their attack craft. The Marxios then call up an army of badniks to keep him busy, while they rush to get the guests into the carnival, knowing that Knuckles won't demolish the zone if there are innocent people inside. It's bananas that we've still got the Marx Brothers, which is such a throwaway joke. (laughs) I know. This issue, pretty much totally lacking in any good Marx Brothers comedy, though. Yeah! Well, there's no good Groucho uh, one-liners this time around. That's true. We got plenty last time, so it kind of, you know... Yeah, we kind of got like a whole series. Yeah, it's not like we're we're lacking for them in general. They're just balanced, I suppose. Yeah. This strip, again, it, it... of a piece with the other two in the issue so far is it's just kind of like a load of punching and explosions Mm. but not a lot happens and and there's not a lot of actual forward motion in the story no but a couple of big things happen on the first page number one interstrip continuity yeah we get chickio on the phone to grimer yeah and i think this has been broached before but here it is in full force giving the impression of a constant living continuity between strips uh, we saw the other side of this same phone call in the sonic strip and here's the other side now in the little yeah. strip love that it really makes me feel good yeah it's nice if you're reading along in the scans though you will note that the footnotes there's a footnote that explains if you want to see who chikio is talking to go and read badnik's bridge and then um there's a reference to the Marxio's previous appearance in the Casino Night Zone storyline, and there's a footnote calling back to when that happened. But um, it seems that this scan, uh, this happened before with an altered next issue box on an earlier issue, which we discovered was edited for one of the later reprints. Yes. In the later years of the comic, when they just started reprinting strips, they would edit the footnotes in the next issue boxes and things. Listeners, if you remember us coming to the end of a Tales strip, I think it might have been on uh, Cat's episode, on Wangleberry's episode. It was. I think it was. Yes, it was the final part of the Zone Runner story. I was surprised that the pair of them thought that the Tales caption said the wrong thing at the end, when in my mm. physical copy it didn't. And yeah, that's because if you're looking at the scans, they're from the reprints. Yes, which edited it. And in this case, rather than redo the footnotes to refer to perhaps when the relevant stories were reprinted or rewrite them in some capacity to refer all the way back to the original issues, they uh, they just blanked them, apparently. Because uh, this this one, yep, sourced from a reprint, it looks like. So strange. You'd think you'd come up with something, some witty other thing to put in the box in place of it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would, right? Yeah. That's all the fun of being an editor, isn't it? Maybe they were up against the clock in those days. Well, I don't know there was much going on back those days. There's another piece of important lore on page four, which is where Knuckles says, these badniks won't hold me for long, as a load of badniks go towards him. And uh, Groucho says, wishful thinking, ketchup face. So there we go, Knuckles has just got a load of ketchup all over him. So that's no wonder he's gone red, even though, <laughs> as we all know, hashtag Knuckles was pink. Pink, pink, pink. <laughs> but no, he is red now. <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking ketchup face. Wishful thinking ketchup face, OBS sings for you. This isn't exactly Groucho Marx level comedy, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
not a lot to say about this one, no, no. barring just lots more lovely Richard Nelson uh, panels. Oh, yeah. Look how pure the whole head of the bear guy on the last page is. This is a guy who, he's one of the people who've shown up to be the first visitors to the Carnival yeah. Night Zone. There's Knuckles fighting. The Marxios have tried to get rid of Knuckles so that they can actually do the first tour that kind of took them by surprise as well. But um, no, he's fighting badniks that they tried to use to get rid of him. And so they try and pass it off as a, you know, an attraction. And this bear guy... Our first exhibit, this performance celebrates the victory of Knuckles over the evil forces of Dr. Robotnik. Go to thinking about <laughs> And this bear guy comes forward from the crowd and goes, uh, Some folks say Robotnik is still on the floating island repairing his death egg. Do they indeed? And he's just lovely to look at, this bear. He looks, he actually <laughs> looks like he's out of an 80s he's so children's thing. He's, yes, he's yeah. so cuddly. He's wearing a big leather jacket at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, that's the two modes of dress for animals in Sonic's world. They wear leather jackets or like all the animals in Badnik's Bridge, like the little rubber duck looking fellas just over his shoulder there is in a lovely suit. Leather jackets or lovely suits, one of the two, <laughs> that's all you're allowed to wear. Or nothing at all, of course. Oh, yes. You're certainly allowed to wear nothing at all on this podcast. I was talking to Jahan earlier today, and um, he'd just been listening to the uh, the latest episode we've put out in real life, which is the one with Martin Billany, who describes Johnny and Porker as looking like they're out of Akira. And, uh, and Jahan <laughs> said he was very uh, grateful to that moment in the podcast because it's the first time that we've come close to, to his opinion that Johnny and Porker look like sh- he, he doesn't like Johnny and Porker at all, and uh, I can't quite get on board with him on that. No, I can't hmm. at all. But I can, Jahan. They are gross, and they look like mascots for a children's pharmaceutical company. Dave, feel free to cut this if you want to maintain a unified front or whatever. They're just wearing jackets and trousers. Yeah, but, uh, so it, it takes different people have different opinions, don't they? It's, I suppose it's not a million miles. There, I, I imagine there are artists who are thinking like these hypocrites who like Johnny and Porker in their in their Akira jackets, and they don't like <laughs> our lot. But you know what, though, and here's the simple <laughs> fact: is that you look at it and you can trace the mm. origin of the idea back mm. to something. Versus Archie stuff, which is like this is all based in nothing and comes from nowhere. So anyway. Yeah, we don't have a lot to say about this Knuckles strip. We like it, but there's just not a lot to say about it. No. It's a running theme, just generally, I think, with this <laughs> issue that's uh, not going to go away <laughs> as we head towards the last strip. But, yeah, next issue is the final part of Carnival Night Conspiracy, and I do remember how it pays off. Oh, do you? So I'm looking for yeah, I do, yeah. So we'll see you then for that one. Hey, it's something half worth looking at. It's the Sonic and Knuckles special. Yeah. I gotta tell you, though. Mushroom Hill Zone. Go from left to right and you'll be home and dry. Come I'm, on, is that amazing? I mean, come on! We've been fighting against this for years. Yeah, they keep trying to do walkthroughs of platform games. And, like, usually you just play the game. And here it is. Go from left to right. That's what it says. Go from left to right. And it just lists the hazards and tells you how to beat them. And, you know, clue, the way to beat badniks is jump yeah. on them. That's it. There's nothing more to There's it. There's absolutely nothing can be said. I'm trying to think, is there anything in Sonic and Knuckles that's like the barrels where, like, anyone didn't know what to do? Nothing springs to mind. But you know what? It, it occurs to me that 
the Sonic 3 walkthrough never did, and that I'm sure this one won't do mm. either, which is one of the best things you could ever ask for out of a walkthrough of these games, is tell us where the giant rings are. Oh my god! Yes! Tell us where the special stage entrances are located. Yes, and we've kind of had a clue about that, because there was a cheat that was given out at one point, which is like, if you go to the bottom left corner yeah, yeah. of most of the levels, except for these of ones. Of every yeah. level except these yeah, two. Yeah, but yeah, it would be nice to have maps. Get, like maps, but but they. I mean, that's the thing. There's not room mm. when they wanted to print maps of things. They printed an entire dedicated guidebook. Yeah. Remember the Sonic Three yeah. guidebook they gave away as a prize. I don't know if they ever did one of those for Sonic and Knuckles, but I yeah, if you wanted real maps like that, that's what you had to go for. Not room for that. You could maybe get maybe get one into a double page spread yeah. on the Q Zone. So you would have had to do like a six part. Sonic and Knuckles Q-Zone. I think, because the levels are quite long, I think you could get two levels into a double-page spread if you printed them at the top and at the bottom and quite small, you know? I think they would be readable. Well, yes, but you would also want text uh, to explain the features of the thing. So that would run across the top because you've got this Q-Zone block in the top left as well that you've got to have in. thing is, that would have been a really nice collectible feature that would have got people coming back for more issues... Like that would have been good. I think they should have done yeah. maps. Yeah, I think I think we've actually just cracked the yeah. zone conundrum. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is one thing in Sonic and Knuckles that you actually do need help with, and to be fair, they print that help, and that is the um, well, they've called it a water slide, but it's more of a quicksand slide. Yeah, yeah. In Act Two of Sandopolis, there is a bit where you can get stuck forever if you don't know you're supposed to like jump off at a certain point, mm-hmm. um, which. It shouldn't be hard, because that's the only thing you can do, but I do remember yeah. getting stuck on it and having to phone my friend to be told what to do. Um, and yes, they do say, when travelling down a slide on the right, watch out for a moving platform, and when you see it, jump across to the slide on the left, as it will take you off the slide and you'll land back onto dry land. And yes, that's useful. Uh, they also do mention here at the end that Sonic 1 works with mm. Sonic and Knuckles. Well, nearly. And they tell you how to get the Blue Sphere game. That, by the way, is another interesting feature of Sonic Air, Sonic Angel Island Revisited. Because Mm -hmm. you can select this, or not, if you prefer it to be the original way, you can select it so that the special zones are randomly generated. Not quite, but nearly. They're randomly selected from the massive bank of levels that you got when you plugged Sonic 1 into Sonic & Knuckles. So, yeah, might as well be. So that's what I've been doing. Every time I go into a big ring, it's new. It's loads of fun. Well, that's not a way to easily and handily get all the emeralds and complete the game. It's uh, quite a challenge. Marco's Magic Football Part 3, written by Lou Stringer, art by Gary Andrews, letters by Elita Fell. Colonel Brown and his evil scientific genius watch on their monitors as Marco dispatches the dinosaurs in the sewers with his magic football, and immediately begin plotting to separate the ball from the boy. Meanwhile, Marco encounters Captain Smirk, a time traveller from the future who warns him of the Colonel's evil and charges him with saving the future from becoming a sludge-controlled nightmare. Hmm. You're not keen. I like this one. No, no, it's 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 grand. Yeah. And there's good jokes. Yeah. But it does feel like... Well, no, 
This one doesn't, actually. It's a bit weird. The Marco strip in general, now that we're at the halfway point, does feel an awful lot like uh, Stringer sort of going through the checklist of what's in the game and getting from A to B. Uh-huh. So I enjoy the bits in this one, for instance, with the Colonel and his evil genius where they go over their schedule <laughs> for the week. <laughs> My theory is that the only way that football could gain such abilities is if it had been exposed to the green sludge, Colonel Brown. He could ruin my plans. You're my evil scientific genius. Invent something to stop him. <laughs> but Wednesday is inventing day. This is Saturday. And it was Saturday because the comic came <laughs> out on Saturday. <laughs> Practicing evil waff day. <laughs> See? Yeah, I thought that was Monday's. No, no, Monday is evil plan day. Tuesday. I don't care. Just invent something to do. Friday is shouting day. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. I love that. I, yeah, I read it out to Abby. <laughs> um, you know, no prizes for anybody not reading along at home, but Captain Smirk is just yeah, a Captain yeah. Kirk parody. Captain's Log started some Saturday afternoon, mid-20th century. I have beamed down safely. Yeah, it's just Captain Kirk. And he's... And I had to go and look this up. I was well into this. <laughs> he's not in the game. I know, there's something about it. it. Because this is the weirdest part of all this. Like At first... You start off thinking, oh, okay, this isn't from the game. It can't be. For whatever reason, they're just doing a Captain Kirk parody here. But then, he's like, if you kick your ball into me as I'm teleporting away, you'll get a power-up, an extra life, or, or some sort of invincibility. And they're like, yeah. wait, is it from the game then? But it isn't. It's so random yeah. that you think it must be from the game, yeah. but it's not. No. And it does kind of pull me out of it a bit for some reason because of that. And that odd mix yet with the idea of the extra life then as well, and how largely by the numbers the Marco strip has been up to now as a video game adaptation. Right. It's a, it's a weird mix. See, I quite like being pulled out of it in that particular way, because uh, I don't know, I like this as a random stuff is happening strip dropped into the middle of STC in the same way that... in And in the same issue, in fact, it feels really old school, because this is in the same issue as Streets of Rage. With that stuff we were talking about before. So I like the variety, I think. Oh, Golden Axe was very bad about that originally, wasn't it? You remember that issue, a really early issue of Golden Axe, where some merchant wizard <laughs> turned up and sold them that's potions right. for a couple of yeah. pounds? Yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, that's what this feels like, except it's not rooted in anything. And then the, <laughs> the punchline of the whole thing is that they've, they've invented a female football. <laughs> Which they're going to yes, use... With eyelashes and <laughs> lipstick. Which they're going to use to distract Marco's football and try to get off it. If this ball of the female variety that you've invented works as we hope and lures away Marco's football, then victory will be... And it's like a really claymation-looking sexy face on a football. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a football, it's just a round sphere with a cartoon girl noseless... Yeah, noseless. Feet, like a snork. Stick, all of that. Yeah, yeah, it looks a bit like a snork. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I'm into this. I don't know, now that it's established itself as, yeah, we're just going to do something daft. I like it. I kind of wish this is what Wonder Boy had been like. Um... <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. Wonder Boy had a whole stylistic thing of its mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. going on that the comic didn't translate that it could have. Whereas at least this is 
this it does feel of a piece with the sense of humor actually, yes. of the video game yeah and the, the artistic style of the game because it was a british made game so oh, was it well, the Denmark were british weren't they i don't know north sterlington <laughs> so. you're gonna tell me that someone from japan came up with north sterlington <laughs> well no i mean i assumed i thought maybe lou stringer came up with it but uh no that's from the games all right well yes i think you're probably right and let's just absolutely check Yes, it's located within London's Putney district. There you go. <laughs> As I was looking up the game to see if Captain Smirk was in it, anyway, like I literally watching that playthrough of it. The end of the game is uh, like the air quotes cutscene is Marco looking off into the distance. As you know, the colonel's tower explodes and everything, and then the colonel in his battle suit flies away. It's just a little silhouette. He putters away, and uh, the words "the end" come in behind him in sync with him as he putters off. You know, question mark the end? Question mark. Then the closing text crawl plays, and it's like Marco watched as the colonel disappeared over the horizon, towing a giant "the end" signed behind him. <laughs> he surely wouldn't be too hard to find with that attached. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> like. Uh, I had a good laugh at that, yeah, you know, that's more than I was expecting out of you, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, again, I don't know that I have a terrible amount no. to say about it. No, it's just a nice little comic. I enjoy the the colonel and the the evil genius. Marco himself is not a terribly interesting protagonist. And it's not just because he plays football, <laughs> No, it definitely isn't. I'm not getting football strip vibes off this. I'm not being bored with the football in this. Tell you what, I really like the artwork this time around. I think it's like... It's the same. It's the exact same, but it's found a footing that, it, like in the first episode, we were complaining a little bit that there weren't so many backgrounds, and there's way more this time. And yeah, I just I like it. I really like looking at it. It really makes me want to draw this time. Well, he's underground, so there's all walls and stuff. There's all now. walls there's and stuff. Crossword. So whenever the background is left out or played with, it feels more like an artistic device. You know, this on the first page, wherever we just have the close up of the dinosaur head on the void between panels, as it were, or then that one next to it where Marco kicks the ball and the ball seals out of the border of the panel. I always like a little trick like that. Mm. Breaking the borders of the panels. Yeah. You know, then the ball, he does like a hat trick where the ball bounces off the three dinosaurs one after the other. And then they disappear in a flash of light, like they mm-hmm. do in the games. And Marco says, quite what it did or where they went, I don't know. But like this town's got its secrets, so mm-hmm. have I. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a little weird <laughs> that you would so literally translate the enemy defeat mechanic from the game and not make anything out of yes, it. Yes, I quite like it because it, it connects in with, um, maybe not the not making anything out of it part, but it connects in with how I would interact with games in those days where I'd be like, you know when you were a kid, did you ever play a platform game and be like, well, it's a nice day in the whatever land. Whoa! Do you know what I mean? You're like you're imagining there's a story going on as you're playing it, maybe saying it out loud. Something about the fact that diegetically, when he kicks his ball at these enemies, they disappear, and he's like, "Whoa! How did that happen?" I, I, I don't know. I quite like it that it just incorporates everything. Because I've always wondered, you know, that nobody did ever tell me whether when Sonic runs into a ring, he picks it up and holds it or it absorbs into him or what it is and i would have liked to know well uh, we have debated that on the show all right we have yeah <laughs> quite recently i think yeah it did come up recently i forget what the context mm-hmm. was but <laughs> so yeah i like this strip i'm looking forward to the next couple of bits whereas back then i probably didn't give it the time of day because it was about football i thought i mean the most fun bits of it are the bits that aren't marker yeah. you know enjoy the colonel and the evil genius captain smirk odd as he is <laughs> it's just it's putting a lot of fun things sort of in front of marco this chapter it's like i don't remember quite where this goes but i don't remember really like this 
fun idea of Marco sort of being passengered along by the more entertaining yeah. bits surrounding him. I don't really remember that factoring into the later ones. You know, The boy is inquiring as to my identity. I am reluctant to reveal that I am <laughs> Captain Smirk. You just did, you big Wally. <laughs> yes, right, well, you have the magic football, a mighty weapon against the evil plans of Colonel Brown. It's just Captain Kirk, if you're not reading yeah. the scans. It's literally just him with a star instead of a Starfleet insignia. <laughs> Why, I don't know. He's not from space. He's a time traveler from the future. So it's not that he's beamed down from a spaceship overhead or anything. It's so random. <laughs> it just, it's so... But never mind. Boink. Kicking off with a uh, Hume error box in the middle. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Blaming all the mulled lemonade that muddled the minds of the Humes who think they're in charge for the reprinted letters. Those oh, responsible have been severely reprimanded and had to sing O Lang Sign backwards while standing on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I didn't notice that because it's in just. A, it's actually. The colour of it is like black on sort of middle dark green. It's kind of difficult to read. Yeah. Well, it's where they've been putting the box that says all prizes will arrive in X, yeah, Y, yeah. Z. So your eyes kind just of... Just been skipping over Kind it. of slide right off it. You just... Mm. Yeah. What we got then? Um, James Pickard from Hadlow in Kent has asked, uh, my parents do not have much money because they have to pay for my brother and sister's college fees. This means they can't afford to buy me a Mega CD with Sonic CD. Mm. Since you are one of the most popular comics around... Will you send me one? And it's like, fair play, James, you absolute chancer, but fair play to you. Cheeky, um, but worth a go. I'm not sure now why Megadroid has been replaced with a bell. Oh, a bell, yeah. We had a Christmas well, pud the last a Christmas two Christmas pud briefly, yeah. No, a bell, and I don't, I'm not sure what the New Year's connotation with um, a bell is. No, neither do I. But that's what they've done for anyway. Is it because they, like, you count down to the... Does Big Ben go off at midnight or whatever? That was the only guess I had, was mm. that it was, yeah, the chimes at midnight or something, but yeah. But whatever the reason, he has replied, and I do like his response, the name's Mega Droid, James, not Mega Rich. <laughs> <laughs> this one I liked a lot. Price of Fame from, well, Dear Mega Droid, does it occur to you that us boomers might not be able to afford your comic anymore? Surely if the cost had stayed at the original price of 95p, then more copies of STC would be sold. And that is from... Angry Jonathan Crute, <laughs> West Midlands, Mega Drive and Master System owner, Sonic Water Fun Game winner. The response comes back, and this is just refreshingly honest. These decisions are made, angry, <laughs> by the Humes in charge of the Humes who think they're in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's that angry, that little sass, that little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh, but then the sass is off the charts <laughs> on this third letter here, which is titled, it's titled Just Deserts. I think it was supposed to say Just Desserts and yes. they've just uh, typoed there. Dear Megadroid, I'm bored seeing the same old Tommy Water fun game as your giveaway prize in Speedlines. Why can't you change it to a Sonic or Tails cuddly toy or t-shirt or even a pair of pyre sneakers from Jamie Webster and Milton Keynes? And Megadroid replies... Well done having your letter published, Jimmy. You'll have endless hours of pleasure with the Sonic Water fun game that's headed your way. Oh, <laughs> you sa yes. You sassy bitch. Oh, Mega <laughs> droid. Mega droid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a couple of bits of fan art. Uh, there is, and they're both lovely. They're both character as something fan arts, which are always a favourite on, yep. on the company podcast. Uh, first off, we have the Tartan Tyrant. It is Robotnik as a Scottish. <laughs> right, a Scotsman from Stuart Hollingsworth Haddington, East Lothian. Uh, oh, fair enough, fair enough, 
from East Lothian. Uh, so what he's done is he's given him, well, he's given him a kilt and sporran, and he's given him, I don't, I don't quite know what's going on at the top. Is this Scottish? He's got like a Hamburglar eye mask. Oh, I don't think that he has necessarily got a Hamburglar eye mask so much that he just has drawn his black pitted uh, eyes funnily. Yeah, it could be. In fact, his whole head is completely different when you look at it. Yes, he's got an orange moustache, but apart from that, there's not really any of the robotic face things at all. I mean, it comes to a point, there's just a cap over the front of it. In fact, you could make the argument that this is just a Scotsman. It's not necessarily robotic uh, yeah, at all. I mean, with the big ginger moustache, Exactly. Know. Could just be a Scotsman with a big ginger moustache. Dr. Ivo Robotnik. Genius extraordinaire hen. <laughs> hen. Hen. You know, like, like an, an egg's hen. hen. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then we've got from Nikki Johnson of West Bolden Tyne and Weir, we have Megadroid adopts a new image for the new year question mark, and it is Girl Megadroid. Why not? <laughs> There's a lot of that this issue, right? This yeah. is the basic thing. If you are a child, I don't know if this is still a thing, but if you're a child back then and you're like, I'm going to do an interesting version of a character, you do with a girl one. That's thing one. That's the first thing you go to. What would it look like if there was a girl one of this? Which, and again, we have Megadroid, except the main body of Megadroid is pink and is kind of fashioned in a clothes way because that's another thing. You've got to put clothes on them if it's a girl one. Well, yeah, all that it's got is, is they've drawn a belt, a belt at the bottom of it. Everything else is... The, this drawing looks like it started out as a drawing of ordinary Megadroid. Yeah, doesn't it? Maybe yeah. only decided to make girl Megadroid halfway through because yeah. the other features are got a bow because of, of course. course it's got a bow on the head and a head of curly hair but the bow the line of his torso yeah the bow's just drawn over the top of it and the yeah. hair is only drawn in with the with colored pen yeah yeah there's no outline to it at all it's almost as if someone else turned it into a girl megatroid yeah 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 that's what it looks like yeah like maybe they colored in the yellow bits of the arms and legs and then mm. decided to do it even then after that yeah i'm happy that it's another drawing of megatroid because yes. i just like it I know, I've two in megatroid. one issue it's isn't it right? yeah two in one that yeah. one strip of megatroid has really got the kids thinking about megatroid as a real character and i i say more of it so let's have a little dip into our own Speedlines mailbag now. You can pop a letter into it by uh, sending it to stctpodcast at gmail.com. And the first one I'm drawing out is from David Bagshaw, who says, Hi there, Humes, who think they're in charge. I got into your podcast during lockdown one and spent a while catching up and have enjoyed many flashbacks to way back when and suddenly remembering things I've not thought about for well over 20 years, <laughs> such as the Turtles 3 advert with the boring boy and cool kid, <laughs> as well as bits that I've thought about fairly consistently over this time, like Skate, bracket S, retrieving the hidden evidence on the corrupt cops from the toilet system. No idea why, it just stuck. Anyway, way back in issue 21, you were wondering why Megadroid was saying 21 today. And I have an answer. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they was making a big deal out of it. And we were like, well, in America, like, being 21 means something, but not over here. So what yeah. is the answer? Around about the same age I was reading STC, every time it was my dad's birthday and me and my brother would ask his age, he would claim he was 21 and sing a line of a song about it, which I have found on YouTube. I'm doing... Twenty-one today. Twenty-one today. I've got the feeling that I've never been twenty 
You can tell it's an old song because it references being able to get a house when you're 21 years old. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Being a trusting child with no concept of when adulthood actually starts, I took his word on this for quite a few years until I was maybe about nine and definitively realised he'd either have to be just 12 years old when I was born or have been lying. (laughs) I don't know when I stopped reading STC back in the day, but I'm definitely going to continue listening to the podcast after that point. Keep up the good work. David Bagshaw, Mega Drive owner. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks very much, David. That's, that's, uh, I'd forgotten about that puzzle, but it's always it nice is. to get an answer to these things after the fact. Yeah. And that's such a bizarre, specific isn't cultural it? reference from the time again, isn't it? Here's another one from Riley, who says, Hello, Chris and Dave, and Abby, and Sam. Hi. Hello. I'm an Australian university student who has never so much as looked at a piece of sonic media for more than five minutes, and thus is probably the furthest it is possible to be from your target demographic. Nonetheless, <laughs> after recently discovering your podcast, I have blown through your entire back catalogue and have had enormous yes. fun in so doing. <laughs> That's great news. I love Brilliant. that. Love it. Because Sam's similar. He doesn't like Sonic either. <laughs> I do not. But that's two <laughs> listeners who, like, I know he's part of the team now, but, like, he just listened to the podcast. So that's two people now. Yeah, I just love the idea that anyone would be out there listening to this who doesn't care about Sonic. You will soon. I think you should go and play those old Sonic games and see what happens. Yeah, you might like them. We'll make it happen. Yeah. I've been a fan of Dave's. Yeah. Wee, thank you. Through his cameos on Question Box and the late trends like these. Oh, interesting left field way to be a fan of mine. That's a friend's podcast that I guested on. And I'm so glad that the algorithms led me to this joyous celebration of childhood, friendship, nerdery, and an era I never got to experience. Well, I say I never get to experience it, but listening to the two of you as you dive into STC and all its oddness makes me feel as though I'm right there reading a comic in 1994 and that it's all going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yours, Riley. Thanks for that, Riley. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Riley. <laughs> I, I, you know, whenever we get these messages from people who've never read STC, sometimes like never read STC before, but never even caring about Sonic before, and I, it just makes. I'm sure we've said it on the show before, but it does kind of. It allows us to pause and go. I guess we must be doing all right in this then. Mm. Yeah. This podcast, we must be doing something right if people are enjoying it. <laughs> I know, we've been enjoying it, and now it's nice to know that other people have been yeah. enjoying it. This next one is from John, another far afield writer, who says, Dear Dave and Chris, I'm once again writing to you from the sunny beaches of Canada. Thank you for continuing to make what has easily become my favourite podcast. Oh, I'm a delivery guy by trade, and STCDP is a frequent companion on my route. Oh, that's a good job for listening to podcasts, isn't it? It's so much harder to find the time to listen to podcasts in the current global catastrophe we're in the middle of. I know. Yeah, someone said to us on Twitter, I've not been doing a lot of groceries. You know, first world problems, (laughs) but... uh... I've been re-listening lately and keeping a tally of a certain shop, and the pod... Oh, that's right! Yes, this guy has been keeping a tally! Yes, I've seen these tweets, I've seen these tweets. Of how many times we've mentioned Woolworths, (laughs) thank you for that. (laughs) Perhaps we'll put out the spreadsheet at the end. Um, Not sure if this mention counts. and, And the podcast is still great! Even when you know what's coming. <laughs> that was ominous. What do you mean, when you, even when you know what's coming? <laughs> oh, maybe, well, actually, yeah, some ominous stuff did come in the future of Sonic, actually. <laughs> I'd only dabbled in Sonic comics in the past, a few Archie issues, mostly from just before their adaptation of Sonic Adventure, as well as the post-reboot Flynn run, after the crossovers with Archie's Mega Man book lured me back, until its demise. It's been a real treat, discovering a whole new type of Sonic comic while reading along with the podcast. 
I want to leave you with one parting thought. If classic Amy has back spines, but modern Amy doesn't, does that mean modern Amy shaves her back so she can wear that backless dress? <laughs> I had to shave it. <laughs> Good luck getting that out of your heads. Best wishes, John, Genesis owner, and proud STCTP patron. Thanks, John, for the patronage and for the letter. Well, first of all, <laughs> but second of all, I'm sure if you go by official Sega canon, classic Sonic and his world are not the past of modern Sonic, but a different universe oh. entirely. Therefore, classic right. Amy and modern Amy are two different dimensional doppelgangers, and therefore it's understandable why their spines would work in different ways. <laughs> Yes, that's the thing about like <laughs> clones from other dimensions, isn't it? Is that your spines work in different ways. That's how you can tell which one to shoot yeah. whenever the one turns evil. Exactly! If they haven't got a goatee, just have a little look at their backs and see what's going on there. See if one of them's got a hairy back and the other <laughs> yeah. one hasn't. Oh dear. <sighs> right, there you go. So if you would like to be in our mailbag, then please, we're running out of stuff. We've got enough for another episode, but we're going to need some more letters. So, stctpodcast at gmail.com. There's another way you can join John in supporting us, which is the Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash stctp, and not only do you help us pay our editor, which gets these episodes out on time, which is now synced to when the comics came out in 1995, but also you get stuff. Yeah, we've got exclusive videos for you there. These are all bonus materials, obviously. We'll never do a regular issue of the comic on the Patreon. No, not behind a paywall. Right now, we are looking at the Martin Adams Sonic novels that were published in the United United Kingdom. We are uh, now in the uh, back half of the first one of those. Also, uh, Dave is making me listen to the aforementioned <laughs> yes. uh, End of Mobius fan fiction uh, written in uh, 1995. So that is an experience unto yes. itself. So yes, if you're curious about what I was talking about in my diary, what story I was writing, then you can come and listen to that. Although, I didn't know there were poster pages. I'm going to have to track down the original version and scan in the posters. Posters you drew yourself. That's what you reckon they are. Of course. Yeah. Well, those will also be Patreon bonuses then. Put it this way. I didn't commission Richard Elson. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> but maybe I should. Oh, don't make him sully his pens. Next issue! Knuckles Knockout Finale! It's the Carnival Night Conspiracy Conclusion! Plus... Badnik's Bridge, the battle continues. There's an apostrophe in Badnik's now that mm. wasn't in the... Uh, uh, the, the yeah, see uh. if that carries over. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, as far as the title goes, I'm not sure what... Is it Badnik? Badnik's? Yeah, it could be either, couldn't it? Yeah. Marco's Magic Football, Colonel Brown sends in the clowns. I'll bet there was a circus level in the video. Game. Yep. And Streets of Rage take to the skies. Now, <laughs> and the piece of artwork here is just a big old Richard Elson close-up of Knuckles. Looking all and then it says, STC44, it's red all over. No, it isn't. Knuckles was pink. Hashtag Knuckles was pink. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> on sale Saturday the 21st of January, 1.15. Yay! Sonic the comic, it's a good comic. Isn't it nice how good it is? What a nice time we're having. <laughs> Dave. Dave. It's 1995. Oh my god. And if you think STC is good now, <laughs> good golly gosh, the stuff that is coming this, is this it, year. Boomer. This is the, the year Sonic for and you. Knuckles adaptation, Chaotix, Brotherhood <gasps> oh of Metallics, what? Short Fuse, year? Techno. Oh yeah, Brotherhood of Metallics towards the end of the what? year. What? 
Echo and Kate. Echo will be back this year, I'm sure. He must be back this year, right? Uh, uh, what else? Uh, Short Fuse, Brutus. Oh my this god! This is oh, 1995. That is so much stuff crammed in that it, it just... right. It's the golden age. When you list it off like that, you're like, what else is there? We'll see some of the Sega superstars come back, but we're also moving towards the end of like that original era as they start to phase out the other mm. Sega game strips. And the comic gets its first big physical revamp in the middle of the year, oh. in the summer as well, whenever they change the design of everything. There's so much happens God. this year. So much happens all the time as we hit the 50th issue and the second birthday. And Chris, while this was going on, this was the year I was finally playing the games. Sonic 3 for my birthday. That's right, because you just got the Mega Drive for Christmas. Just got the Mega Drive. It's my birthday in March, so I got Sonic 3, borrowed Sonic and Knuckles off a friend, and then later got it that Christmas. This, this what a sonic year this and was. And we said this about last year, I because know. that was the year of Sonic the Comic with all the specials and spin-offs. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, there was some tremendous stuff happened last year. The Sonic 3 adaptation, mm-hmm. Sonic CD, mm-hmm. but this year and then feeding into early the year after that as well i mean that's where it's at you know yeah this year is i have no trouble describing it as the golden age that anybody who even looked at the comic at this time remembers and here we stand now on the brink of it in january with a possibility that everything might get a little bit better as we plow on into 2021. <laughs> with all this out ahead of us as well to accompany us on the way. Can't wait to spend it with yourself, Chris, and all of you listeners. We're going to have a lovely year ahead of us. And when you're looking for those episodes that are to come, you will find them anywhere that podcasts are available. But you can also download them directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast. And you can follow us individually. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely. And we're both on YouTube under those names as well. Dave's on that. Mm -hmm. Twitch as well. Yeah, I'm on that sometimes. Our editor is Sam Gabriel, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. You can find him on Twitter at SaberInBlue. Our opening theme tune was Synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band. You can find more from at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast. And we will see you... In 1995!